Hello, we're here in New York City at the Open RAN North America event. And uh, just yesterday, we were at the 5G network strategies and something. Something like that. Oh. <laughs> we need anyway, a new name. Sterling Perrin. 5G Transport. <laughs> Welcome to this interview that I can't, at this event that I can't properly name. <laughs> but it was a good event because uh, the feedback was, was phenomenal. A lot of people are uh, excited about the evolution of the transport network and, and where it's going now that 5G is finally here and carriers are making decisions. Um, was there any kind of, uh, I guess, transport architecture discussion that seemed to stand out from the proceedings yesterday? Yeah, it was, and it was just good. To, we've done the event virtual for the past couple of years, and it was nice just to be back and the, the engagement Absolutely. you get on a physical event. And it was a small, small audience, yeah. uh, but it made it more open discussion, yeah. I thought. I'm yeah. probably the most open discussion that we've had maybe since our first year. Mm -hmm. um, I did in the opening comments, I did a little bit of a comparison between 2017 and 2022, and the reality is at a high level, you know, the same topics, we're still talking about eCIPRI and yeah. 5G Mac and yeah. um, centralized RAN and front hall and that stuff. Um, but the context has changed, and I think we got a, a, a real good flavor of that yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you asked specifically about you know any any of the kind of the architectural dis discussions. The centralized RAN discussion, um, really led by Reggie Collette from U.S. Cellular, yeah, I thought was um, the the best explanation so far of um, of a kind of a use case in centralizing the RAN, mm -hmm. um, not the rationale for why they're doing it, the exact steps, and and kind of what, how how they've thought through the whole problem, and the fact that they're you know they're 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 doing it. It's it's some is done. They've They've yeah. got plans they outlined for you know next year. It's it's a done deal. So it's it's happened. Yeah, that that, that was a, a really uh, compelling presentation. It was interesting too because I, I I'm and I'm curious to get your opinion on this. Uh, it, is that where the RAN is going for larger carriers, or did that just happen to work out for them because of their unique kind of market position? You know. Yeah. Uh, no. No. The, I don't think their position is is unique at all. In fact, you you could argue even the other way that, um, you know, with with rural populations and, and kind of less dense cities that, that they would operate in, because that's kind of what they do, uh -huh. there'd be less of a need. The very dense cities like New York and, and Boston and Las Vegas are, are really where um, the, the centralized RAN business case works best. Mm -hmm. And the big operators are are doing it. Verizon has been doing it. They started with 4G, they, they continued with 5G. Um, you know, all the big operators are, are doing um, Fairly early stage, but are investing in, in actually building out this centralization of the of the function. It's the physical movement of the baseband into these hub sites with the radio, mm -hmm. and then you know, where's the transport guy? Where I come in is that front hall. Right. That is is absolutely happening. You know, at least in the U.S. And what now. what is the the architectural or sort of the the technology change that has to happen in the front hall or in the in the transport side to accommodate a more centralized uh, architecture? Yeah, it's basically was was done with the the, the 3GPP, the, the the decomposition of the RAN, where you could separate the radio unit and the distributed unit and the central unit, and that opened the door to to have these elements, you know, physically separated. From an optical standpoint, it's the early phase and where you know where US cellular is and where the other big operators are is is a fairly simple-ish thing they've done you, you they're they're running basically dark fibers it's it's an optical uh, connection between those two spots mm -hmm. um, either dark fibers or WDM okay um, so it's operationally it's the simplest way you have to do a lot of planning is also uh, US cellular was talking about in terms of 
you know, you have to obtain the, these these fibers, the dark fibers. You right. have to renegotiate, negotiate contracts, get the fiber built out. Yeah. I mean, that's why you've seen Verizon spending. Is part of why you've seen Verizon investing so much in fiber over the past couple of years. And now AT and T is, you know, certainly doing the exact same thing. So, the fiber, you know, it's the very low level. The physical stuff needs to be put in place. Mm -hmm. And then there's more complicated things that can come from there. And it's kind of where where we're you know, not quite stuck, but still in the early stages. Some of the discussions we had yesterday were like around packet front haul, mm -hmm. um, which is a, another evolution, but it brings in, you know, a set of complexity to do it. And some of the technologies I even learned myself, the, the TSN for front haul, which I thought was, you know, a really a, a done deal. Mm. The not full representation of the industry because it was a small event, but for the group that, that we had there yesterday, mm -hmm. largely saying the TSN for front haul is actually not a good option, so yeah. that was news to me. So that's the, kind of the next iteration, packet front haul, how do you right. do it? Um, and then, you know, Re Reggie Collette indicated that's stuff they're going to look at right. for the future, um, you know, as, long, as, long, as well as virtual RAN and, and, and moving forward. But his point, which was a very good one, is you have to get this physical, the fibers, yeah. and, and you are physically separating, and, and the locations for pooling the, um, the, the, the baseband resources together that's all happening now in, in places that are dense cities um, the other important thing with with anything front haulers there's a very strict distance um, under um, 10 kilometers is, is, is the benchmark okay which is dictated by um, ultimately physics and, and the communication between these separated elements and it comes yeah. when you turn that time into a, a distance it's it's 10 miles or uh, 10 kilometers or less 10 kilometers or less and then that, and that that's what and, and then that all kind of adds up to making uh, the, the network itself simpler to operate, I guess, because you're, you're, you're making fewer, I would say, if it's centralized, aren't you making fewer decisions or sort of processes involved? I mean, it you're improving, there's ways you can save um, money by, you know, not, not having these, having to go out to all these separate sites, it's all in, in one area, it's all in one location. Yeah. Um, ultimately, you're pooling resources, you're sharing power, et cetera. Um, and Reggie, and in, in the, in the um, panel, we also talked a bit about there's also, as you move to higher data rates for more advanced um, services for 5G, this coordination that's required for um, like carrier aggregation is a lot better in a centralized. So okay. for, for kind of an ultimate scaling. Yeah. Um, the other really interesting thing, and this had come up in our surveys, and I never fully understood why, but one of the motivations, we asked operators, why are you looking at centralized RAN? Uh -huh. And they said reliability. And I didn't really understand the why behind that, but it okay. was really a top, top, top choice. Um, and, and Reggie Collette, again, kind of gave a, good, a really good explanation of, of the reliability where he said the, um, the um, the touch points in the network, when, when you eliminate all these, um, you know, areas of kind of product interaction and human interaction throughout the network, it reduces, mo and he said the vast majority of his, his outages and errors are, are, are his outages are due to some sort of error in the equipment malfunction. Oh, okay. I forget, he had to use the word for it, I forget his exact term yeah, he yeah. used, but it's not fiber cuts. Okay. Um, so that moving to centralization, kind of a long-winded way of saying, is, is improving their reliability from the architecture itself. And, and reliability we know is critical for 5G and, and we know from the sure. survey that operators are. So that's something that's, I don't know where it in, initiated from, but the operators are seizing on to rely. So there's a bunch of reasons they can do it. There's challenges as well, but yeah. you know, we've been talking to 
uh, like a decade and yeah yeah more, it's, it's a topic that comes up uh, you know again and again but it's it's interesting that now it's starting to be done uh, in a in a in a pretty big way and, and there's actually some payoff to it you know like they like like you said you know uh, mr. Colette's whole presentation was we did this here's what we've learned and that, yeah that was I thought it was was great I mean yeah so there, so we had a very you know a lot of the day was dedicated to that kind of architecture mm -hmm. it wasn't the only topic but that that was a big one and it's because it's real not because we're you know theoretically real, real quick um, you want to weigh in on on the use of white boxes in yeah the that was another network. interesting that came up a couple of times and again you know we were a subset of the industry because we didn't sure. have everybody represented um, on, on the panels, but Juniper um, made a very good point, uh, Tim Pinnell, about um, ask the audience, you know, raise your hand if you're using Broadcom chips in, mm -hmm. in any of your equipment that you use or sell, and almost everybody raised their hand, and his yeah. point was, you know, Juniper and Cisco and anybody that's doing non-white box is using Broadcom for, for a lot of this stuff, and, and so as a piece of hardware, what, the, what's the difference, yeah, really? Yeah. And the difference tends to be it's kind of the business model, the right. model, and is that compelling enough? Um, and I thought, I thought, and it, you know, it, I thought it was a very strong argument. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's hard to say one over the other when when they're it, it, when the guts of it are all the same. And really, what really what changes is, like you said, the. The volume ordering, or you know, something to do with the business model, not necessarily the technology. It certainly tackled the you know cost question in a way that I thought was very um, impactful. And you know, we know AT and T had had you know really doubled down on on these white box mm -hmm. routers. Um, they did not speak at the event. Um, knock on AT and T, but um, <laughs> uh, the. Um, they're the only ones that we know of in North America who are, you know, a major operator that invested like. So the others, it hasn't really caught on. Outside of, actually, outside of North America, mm -hmm. TIP is, has a lot of, they show a, a slide with literally dozens of logos of big name operators globally doing this white box um, router for, mm. for 5G. But if you look at the logos in U.S., it's, it's only been AT&T so far. And, um, okay. So, it, it, yeah. We'll see what happens next, so, uh, and and we'll we'll do this again next year, hopefully. I Maybe hope so. Sometimes I hope so. All right, Sterling, we'll thanks move so the much. Needle. All right, thanks, Phil.